the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Jesus was not just the most merciful person that ever lived. He showed so much mercy on people in the Bible. He showed so much compassion in the Bible. And yet, not a single time did he violate the law. Not a single moment did Jesus violate any of the law of Moses. You remember the story of the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Everybody knows this story. It's a very clear story in the Bible of what uncommon mercy looks like. It was about this prostitute who was caught at a, at a very compromising situation. He, she, was, she was committing adultery with a customer and the people discovered her and they dragged her to kill her because of her prostitution, because of her adultery. I have no doubt in my mind that some of those men who dragged her were probably customers. And they probably want to get rid of her so that you know, she'll be shut up forever, right? But nevertheless, they were so adamant about killing her because of their self-righteous indignation in their minds. And they dragged her in front of Jesus in order to test what Jesus is going to do. And we all know the story. In verse 10, it says, Jesus straightened up. Okay, this isn't all in the Bible. After he was writing something on the floor, you know, we didn't know what he wrote. But he got up, he picked up a rock. And he said to those who were around uh, him, ready to stone this woman, if any one of you have no sin, I want you to be the first one to cast the stone. Okay? And as the Bible tells us, one by one, they started walking away. They started leaving. They started, you know, realizing that, hey, you know, yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be part of this thing. They got, you know, somewhat convicted in the presence of Jesus, right? And the Bible says in verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Of course, her accusers, right? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Some say that this story is about hypocrisy and how not to judge other people because we are all sinners. I agree with that, okay? But I disagree that this story is about judging. It is not about judging. This story is about mercy, okay? It's not about judging. And the reason why I know this is not about judging was because a perfect judge was in the middle of the story. Jesus was a perfect judge. You know what? He picked up the rock. Who has the authority to cast the first stone in that story? It was Jesus. He had no sin. Jesus says, if, if any one of you had no sin, throw the rock. Jesus was holding to the rock. It means that Jesus at any second 
could have hit that woman in the head and be justified for doing it. Now, this is where uncommon mercy comes in. Jesus has every right to kill that woman in their presence. He dropped the rock and he says, Who condemns you? No one, sir, neither do I condemn you. Go and don't do this again. Conviction is the basis for compassion. And that's why Jesus showed uncommon mercy. He based his compassion on conviction. There's another story in Mark chapter 14 where a woman was spending all of this money on a, a perfume to wash the feet of Jesus. And everybody around her was saying, you're wasting that money. You know what? This money could have been saved and be given to the poor. You know the story. You've read the Bible. You know what Jesus said to those who were saying that? The poor you will always have with you. You can help them anytime. Isn't that true? We've always had, but ever since I was a kid, ever since I was a boy, I've seen poor people. I had been a poor person. <laughs> okay? Jesus was right. The poor you'll always have with you, you can help them anytime. But you're not going to always have me. The people around Jesus at that, at that scene, they thought that compassion is more important than conviction. It is not. Mercy must be fueled by conviction, not merely by compassion. We are followers of Jesus, okay? And how many times do we get in trouble for standing for our conviction? We get in trouble, and it saddens me. Because people look at us as hateful people. When in, when in reality, we were following Jesus. We were showing that conviction is more important than compassion. I actually been asked, why are you Christians so opposed to, should I name it? Should I even say it? Why are you so opposed to the red redefinition of marriage? Why are you so opposed to, you know, having uh, uh, gender fluidity, they call it. Why are you so opposed to a, 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 a woman not being able to make her choice for her body? I mean, we get confronted with these things and the, the understanding of compassion is so twisted that we're all, as followers of Jesus, are nothing more than hateful people trying not to give freedom to people to do anything they want. Well, guess what? I wouldn't wish God's judgment to fall on my worst enemy. We simply understand that our conviction is the basis for our compassion. If I see someone, you know, moving around the edge of a cliff, drunk, okay? If, I, if he takes another step, he's going to fall to his death. Should I say to myself, well, you know, I don't, don't want to mess with your decision. I'm compassionate with you. Here, have another drink and actually fall on the edge. Is that what people want us to be? Let me tell you why. We as Christians do it this way. And I'm defending our stand, our conviction. Because we don't base our compassion on feelings. We base it on our conviction. We base it on God's infallible, eternal word. We are not shaped by feelings. We walk by faith. We walk by the words of Christ. The Holy Spirit's goal is not just to remind us of truth, but to shape our lives to truth, in truth, so that we won't forget what Jesus already says. Compassion empowered by conviction is real mercy. Jesus died on the cross so we can receive uncommon mercy. And why is that mercy uncommon? Because he was willing not only to remove God's judgment from us, but to turn away our guilt and his wrath at the same time. So when we say to people, we, 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 we don't agree with that lifestyle, it's not because we hate them, it's because we love them. 
Can you imagine if God says, okay, let your feelings dictate how you live? Oh my goodness. That would be the greatest thing in the world. I can do anything I want. But God says, this is the way. Walk in it. As followers of Jesus, we could do no less. When we speak out against sin, it's not because we are better. It's not because we are holier. It's because we know all too well that the judgment of God is coming against sin and we don't want anybody missing it. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have committed. It doesn't matter how sinful you had become. Jesus didn't die on the cross for certain sins. He didn't die for certain evil. He didn't die for a set number of things that are in violation of the law. He died for all of our sins and when he died on the cross he did not just offer forgiveness he turned away God's judgment against those who will say yes in faith to him that is the gospel that is uncommon mercy you and I deserve to burn but Jesus says you're not only not gonna burn you're gonna have a mansion in heaven how about that for mercy. It's not just, hey, you know, I, I, I'm going to die and hopefully I go to heaven. What do you mean hopefully? The assurance of salvation is this. God is not angry at you anymore when he forgave you of your sin. That's uncommon mercy. One thing I learned in seminary. Somebody told me this. If you're going to preach the word, do not fall. <laughs> do not ever fall. Because when you fall, God will forgive you, but the people will not. That advice scared me to death. And that's why I love to tell people, God is not angry with you anymore. But as human beings, you'll get crucified. Can you imagine right now if we laid down our sins in front of everybody? What do you think is going to happen? They're going to say, oh yeah, I forgive you. Come on, let's hug. No, there's COVID. I can't hug you. They're going to use COVID as an excuse not to hug you. But deep inside, folks, they say, you, you, you're dirty. I don't want you. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus covers a multitude of sin. Since you can count. Since inside your dreams. That's how powerful uncommon mercy is. 24 hours is a long time not to sin. So I sleep 17 hours a day. <laughs> There's a second principle <laughs> in showing mercy. Okay? Number two. Communion will bury conflicts. Communion with God will bury every conflict we have with Him. And communion with one another will bury all of our conflicts with each other. That's a principle of uncommon mercy. Our relationship to one another is more important than the disagreements and personal differences we have. And you know what? Accept it or not, I want to say the same thing about our relationship with God. Our disagreements with God <laughs> doesn't measure up to the quality of our relationship with Him. You know, there are some things that I disagree with God with. You know, and a lot of people do, all right? I mean, let's be honest. 
I mean, there's a lot of commandments in the Bible that, you know what, that, that one, God, that's a tough one. All right, it's a tough one, you know. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Come on. Come on, how about mercy, God? There's a lot of things in the Bible. Yeah, you only have, should only have one wife. Would you get that? You know, that's just, that's just below the belt, God. I just couldn't agree with that. <laughs> but it's true for you, it's human nature. You know, I, you, sometimes you look at your, yourself and you say, man, you know, I love you, God. I love you, Lord. But that one, mm-mm. that one I have a problem with. It's okay. God understands. Eventually, the Spirit of God will convince you that your relationship with God it's more powerful than those things that you question about God, the conflicts that you have about God. And I'm going to prove to you that God has dealt with that in Jesus Christ. Look at, but let's look at our text again in verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn my back from you. This is her talking to Naomi. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Make no mistake about it. Ruth was a Moabitess. Naomi was a Hebrew. They don't even share ethnic backgrounds. They worship different gods. They have different languages, and they worship uh, differently, and they're cultural, culturally they're, they're different, linguistically they're different. But Ruth could have easily said to Naomi, yeah, we have nothing in common anyway. I'm just going to leave you. After all, you're just my mother-in-law. And, and you know what? In our society today, mother-in-laws and in-laws, they, they don't get along, you know. I mean, that's just my observation, you know. But not according to, Ru- to Ruth. Ruth says, I don't care if we have differences. I don't care if you speak a different language or whatnot. My relationship with you is based on what I see in your God. Not so much what's in the midst of us. She knew she will pay a price if she goes with Naomi back to Judah. She knew it. People will look at her differently. She's a foreigner. She, she's taking a big risk, you know. But her mercy dictates that her relationship to Naomi and her relationship with God, they're more important than the possible conflicts she might face in going with her. Mercy takes chances. Every real relationship runs the risk of conflicts. That's why a merciful heart is necessary for a relationship to work. It's, it's, it's a real challenge. We need to be merciful at heart. We need to develop uncommon mercy. Otherwise, we'll never get along. And this is true for me as a Christian as well. You know how how scared I was to share the Lord Jesus to other people who are not Christians? You know how fearful I was? You know why I was fearful? It's because, you know, what if I I witness to somebody and uh, what if they reject me? You know, that kind of thing. It's a common fear that can be overcome. You know, but sometimes I I fear uh, encouraging people because what if I encourage them and then the, the opposite happens? You know, what if I say, you know, God will bless you and we both get laid off. You know, these are the kinds of things that, 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 that kind of worries me a little bit. Sometimes, you know, there was a time in my life I don't even want to pray for sick people because, because I want God to heal them. But what if God doesn't heal them? You know, do I still need to take the chance to pray for them? 
And as I, as, I, as I walked with the Lord, I realized that we don't share our faith to people because we want to demonstrate God's power in their life. We pray for people. We encourage people. We witness to people because Jesus says, when you do that, you're showing them mercy. You're showing them uncommon mercy. You don't need a miracle to show mercy, amen? We don't need that. In fact, I, don't, I, don't, I believe in miracles with all my heart, but exactly how many miracles do we need to see before we truly trust in God? The grand total of one. Maybe not even one, maybe zero. Because our trust in God is not based on the things that are tangible, but things that are unseen. A heart that beats to be able to show people that God loves them. You know what? I don't care if I pray for someone and the opposite thing happens. The only thing I know is that I've shown enough love and mercy to people to have done it. You know, the result belongs to God. And that's why it's more important that our relationship comes first. To show real uncommon mercy to others, we need to see beyond our differences and look for common things that connect us with each other. In, in the letter of James to the, to the church, um, he says, where do fights and quarrel come? They come from the inside of you because, you know, you have, you're all selfish. <laughs> you only look for the things that, that, that matters to you. Instead, show mercy. Show mercy to people and that will solidify the relationship. Communion, communion with one another will bury a thousand conflicts. Communion with God will bury a thousand conflicts. Showing mercy to Naomi, Ruth placed a higher premium on that relationship with her than the possibility of conflicts not only with her, but with her people when she goes back to Judah. And that's the same kind of mercy God has shown us through Jesus Christ he, that he sacrificed, that the, the reason why Jesus was sacrificed on the cross he looked at humanity and said, Oh, you people, you have a major conflict with me. He looked at humanity and God says, Uh-uh, you're not going to make it. Maybe I should just judge you. Maybe I should just punish you for what you've done. God is looking at the world. And he says, mm, You know, I could do this at a snap of a finger. I can lop your heads off and put you into eternal damnation. But God didn't do that, did he? His relationship with us matters more than our sins. Not that our sin doesn't matter to God. But God had a dilemma, didn't he? If he judges us, what are we going to say about his mercy? If he showed mercy to us but doesn't judge us, then we can do anything we want. Right? So there was a brilliant idea in the mind of God. The wisest thing God has ever done is to show us mercy by punishing somebody else on our behalf. I mean, that's as simple as the gospel can ever be. When Jesus hung on the cross, that's God saying, you know what, I could have done this to the world, but you know what, I'll kill my son rather than put my judgment on you. So in Jesus, God's mercy and God's justice have been fulfilled. And you know what? You've heard that a million times, but how beautiful is that when it comes to the mercy of God? Uncommon mercy requires wisdom, the wisdom from God. How does it apply to us today? 
Now we need to value our relationship with each other and sacrifice our ego, our selfish desires, crucify those things that prevent us from showing mercy to one another because we have been shown mercy by God. Verse 17 of James chapter 3 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now there's a final principle of uncommon mercy demonstrated to us by this story, and that is to be merciful, we must accept that our commitment to God's commands is the only real way to receive comfort. Commitment brings comfort. Look at verses 18, 17 and 18 in our text. Ruth says, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. What's the basic point? Ruth took her mercy yet another step deeper. Not only was she willing to worship Naomi's God and live among her people, she actually gave up everything. Showing, showing mercy causes us a great deal of discomfort in life. But comfort comes when we push through and say, I'm going to obey God rather than anything else. And God says, if you show that kind of mercy, you will receive mercy. I can't tell you how many times I, uh, I had been in a hospital with families who were faced with a decision on whether to pull the plug on their loved ones. I have been in many of those situations. Perhaps a mom, perhaps a father, a husband, or God forbid a child, which is by all accounts terminally ill. And, uh, and I'm not going to lie to you. I once thought that the easiest way to eliminate the pain is by mercy killing. I used to believe that, you know. I, I, I say to myself, you know what? Get them out of their misery. They're suffering. Life is over, you know. What's the most merciful thing can I do? The most merciful thing I can do is show uncommon mercy. But at the time in my life, I was a cavalier person, you know. I was saying, yeah, you know what? It's a difficult decision, and I say it, you know, you know, with the, <laughs> with the arrogance that I regret until I had to make that decision on behalf of my own mother. And all of a sudden, it's not that simple anymore. All of a sudden, it's not an easy decision anymore. It's an agonizing decision. And I do not want to put anybody in that position, and I do not wish that to anyone even for people I don't like. The hospital even asked us to sign a piece of paper saying, you know, when this and that happens, I want you to know we're going to pull the plug and we're going to let her die. Once you sign this piece of paper, you know, you are comfortable with your decision. Listen, it wasn't a comfortable decision at, at any stretch. And look, I don't pretend that it's an easy decision for anybody. And I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm preaching for or against pulling the plug on someone. All I know is that the Bible says, if we're going to make a decision, make it on the side of preserving life. 
The point is, the decision to obey God will often lead us in uncomfortable places in life. It will come at a great personal expense. Severing a relationship with someone because it's not glorifying to God. It will bring pain, not comfort. But God promises that uncommon mercy, His uncommon mercy will replace our mourning with dancing. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To obey God's command will bring true comfort. But true comfort doesn't mean that we're not going to go through the fire in making it. It came from a man named Paul whose mercy that he received from God is unparalleled. So the main idea of this uncommon mercy message is this. Our life may seem to suggest that God has abandoned us, but God's uncommon mercy through Jesus will never, ever leave us. Ruth is a picture of Jesus as the merciful Savior. Like Jesus, she demonstrated that in showing mercy, conviction is the basis for compassion, communion will bury conflicts, and commitment to the command of God will bring real comfort. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Lapson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. As a listener-supported ministry, they are grateful for your tax-deductible donations at livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.